Hello everybody, this is Tino Killed It here with another episode of What the Fuck Am I Doing With My Life? So, I am sitting here in my car outside of my new place in Las Vegas. I'm finally settled in somewhere. And um, I just remembered that I didn't record this podcast for tomorrow, so... <laughs> Figured I'd sit here and do it now while I have some time to kill. Um, but yeah, finally, it's been such a long road to get to this point now where I have stable living in Vegas. And um, it's really cool. It's a super temporary spot um, just because it, it just allows me to be able to get my money right uh, for the next couple months until I can get my own place. But I've only been out here a few days now, like officially, really, and um, I've already started really planning out what my next moves are going to be and really looking forward to doing that, and I've had some really great opportunities present themselves to me, Um, so we're definitely going to see where it goes, you know? I don't want to get my hopes up on anything, it's more so I just want to execute and get things done, Um, but enough with the serious talk. I want to go ahead and get back into these stories. These stories that I was so fucking scared to share with everybody. But I'm finally at a point now where, like I said, it's it's time to let the vault out. And just let everybody know the craziness that has, you know, killed it. And um, this story does not disappoint. So uh, let's talk about when I was homeless in Seattle. <laughs> So the story takes place, uh, I think it was like early summer of, uh, 2019. And, um, at this time I had gotten a, an accolade from, uh, Amazon, uh, as I was working in management, I was working in logistics at the time, uh, in San Leandro and I had came up with some really, really great processes that um, really changed the game of logistics for Amazon as a whole. Um, and it was just all with this one program that I created that basically everybody kind of took and made their own thing afterwards. But it was a, a blueprint in which I provided. And... Um, so I got what was given, uh, what were we called? I think we were just called like a uh, first team, like AMZL first team. And, uh, we basically were just kind of like all-star managers, I guess, in a way. And, uh, I was one of the ones for the Western region. And what was really cool was there was two other managers who got picked for the Western region that I, that I personally trained myself. So that was really cool in that aspect. And the other people who were in the um, in that Western region with us, too, were also people that I knew from the same building that we came from in Tracy. Um, you know what I mean? And it was just really cool because I knew everybody in that West region, which just really showed how much we impacted um, AMZL, which is something that I was always very proud of. Um because I, I don't really want to detour off this too much, but fuck it, I, I really want to say it. 
because being in um in fulfillment right um just dealing with um the packages being i guess put together <clears throat> management from that level was not necessarily respected in the logistics community at that time and to be honest rightfully so um us in fulfillment were taught to be more customer service oriented whereas logistics was a little bit more blunt straight to the point get down to the nitty-gritty and get it done and um those two worlds just never really seemed to correlate and uh, there was me and two other managers kind of in my in my promotional class that when we went from fulfillment to logistics people were counting us out before we ever started now mind you i think there was like four of us total and three of us made it out of those four one ended up quitting like two months in or whatever but that was a a them situation definitely not a reflection of the group itself because everybody else was able to make their situations work and had their own great innovations in their realms and what they were doing. You know what I mean? I remember talking to San Jose and, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, how's everything going, uh, going over there and then talking to the people there in Concord and, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and seeing like what they're doing and then hearing about the launch in the Valley, like in, in Tracy and Manteca and, and almost going to Manteca to help launch that building. But the only reason why I pulled the trigger, I didn't pull the trigger was to, help out the station that I was in. Um, I made a lot of sacrifices. I, I, I made a lot of sacrifices. I did a lot of things that I didn't want to do for the sake of the betterment for the company. And um, this trip was supposed to be kind of a celebration of that. So I get flown out to Seattle, right? And uh, I pay for Rack and the girls to, to go see it as well, too, because I wanted them to be able to witness it, you know? Um, the girls never really got a chance to kind of take a trip to uh, see, like, New York when we went or all the Vegas trips that we did, and it was definitely something that she always said she wanted to do something for the girls. And me having this opportunity to be able to do this, and it was free of charge on my end, you know, so... I spent the money elsewhere in providing them the experience. And I, man, I, I wouldn't replace that for anything. The girls loved it. All of them, you know, like rack and the girls just enjoyed every moment of it, taking all of it in and, um, you know, seeing like the, the piers and the, the roller coaster and, uh, the food, the food was amazing. And, um, just the looks on the girls faces. I, I'll, I'll never forget that. I really never will because they were just so like happy. <laughs> they couldn't stop talking about it for so long. And, um, that in, in, in and of itself made it so worth it. Um, but there was something that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way about this trip. And I think it kind of led into the whole kind of things that transpired after. Um, so we're in this meeting Right. Cause we're, we're still doing like a, like a, like a training, I guess of some sort, but it really is just kind of like all stuff that we've all, it's just all team exercises and shit. It really was just a bunch of nothingness. And, um, there's one point in the middle of this meeting 
And they go, um, do we have Martino in this room by chance? And I was just like, uh, yeah. And they were like, do you mind standing up, sir? And I was just like, sure. So I stand up and, um, they start talking about the process in which I had created. Um, now again, just for the sake of anything ever coming up ever, I, I, I try not to get too specific on things, but I basically created this blueprint that, um, allowed stations to be able to keep track of what packages they needed to deliver, what packages they could deliver, and what packages weren't worth touching anymore. And um, basically by being able to do this, it saved a, it saved a bunch of costs in different areas, like where, where, where they were normally cutting costs, they didn't have to anymore. Um, more specifically with labor, because we were constantly cutting labor to try to save money. And we had kind of changed process to a point where we were generating enough money to pay for our labor and overtime. And um, <clears throat> again, this was a really big process for logistics at the time because it hadn't grown to this point yet. And so... They start talking about that process and what it created for the Western region and what it went on to create for the rest of AMZL. And um, this this sentence kind of rings on in my head forever. And he just kind of says, "He was like, thanks to this, thanks to this pro, thanks to this software here, Tino has helped AMZL generate forty eight million dollars in the past year." $48 million. And I didn't see a single dime of that. Now, I felt really, I felt really selfish when I initially thought that. I felt greedy because I was thinking, well, I mean, look at what they're doing now. I mean, this isn't free, you know? But even in retrospect of what that money generated to what it cost them to expense my trip, which automatically is tax deductible, it, it kind of lingered. And I, I really tried to shake that thought because it was something that I wasn't trying to think about. I wasn't trying to think that negative, but it lingered there. And... Um, you know, people were impressed by it, like, wow, you know, blah, 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 and asking me about it and stuff. And they were like, oh, you're the one that created that. And it was, um, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, like I, I, again, like, you know, the, the, um, the acknowledgement was great, you know, and I, and I, and I, and that's why it's like, I don't want to demean that, but when you really think about the impact that it really laid, that it really laid out, like the, the shit that I endured during that time, um, I saved a lot of people that struggle and, um, also generated a lot of money for not even just the company, because that's not necessarily what I cared about, to be honest with you. I put money back in my associates' pockets because I created the process because we kept taking away hours from them. And I didn't want us doing that. 
my I was we were working in the Bay Area. We're working in one of the most, you know, higher like living like in all of the world. Like nobody in Oakland or the the surrounding area there works just one job. They all work multiple jobs, multiple 40 hour jobs just so they can get by and pay rent to live in fucking, you know, really like rural ass areas. And we're over here cutting hours because we want to send this package out six times today. That that's the basis of how that all broke down was we're spending more on this package right here than we are to pay for these people to, to stay here and help our station succeed, which is what we hired them for. And, um, that was the whole reason I created that. It just happened to be a really big financial tool that allowed other stations to be able to see where they were overspending and where they could readjust. And that's where it ended up making the most, generating the most money. And, um, so it weighed on me, but I tried to let it be, especially because the trip itself was still really great. Like I said, um, when Rack and the girls were there, like just the excitement on the girls' face was, was worth every bit of it. You know what I mean? Like, um, and Rack had endured so much already, you know what I mean, over the past couple of years and on prior to, to be able to see these kind of things and to have her girls enjoy it with her was was super amazing, you know what I mean? So that part of the trip itself felt like a whole separate thing to me compared to what I was feeling with this job at the time. Um, but uh, Rack and the girls go to leave and I get one, one night left in uh, Seattle. And uh, I tell her before she gets on the plane, I go, just so you know, I'm getting fucked up tonight. (laughs) And she was like, oh, I'd imagine because I had been good all week. And, you know, at this time I was a pretty heavy drinker. So it was very unnatural of me to go like four or five nights in a row without drinking. And so now that I had, I was at this point where I'm like, I'm ready to go fucking ham tonight. I'm not driving anywhere. You know what I mean? I'm just going to Uber everything. So the night starts. um, I meet up with one of the manager friends of mine. Um, and we meet at one of the Irish pubs around the way and we start just drinking Jameson. We're just drinking Jameson straight. And, um, this, this guy's Egyptian and, uh, one of the greatest dudes I ever met, man, because I wouldn't have survived in logistics without him. When I met him, he, he kind of knew that it's like, you're smart. You just... You just need to be a little bit smarter. <laughs> and um, he filled in that gap for me. He really did. You know what I mean? Without without his help, I definitely wouldn't have been able to even begin to create the processes that I did to be able to help the associates. But he constantly reminded me to have a back. He, he taught me how to really have my, like control my backbone because I had a lot of emotion when I manage, um, which is good and bad. It's good because it allows me to be able to really just get my point across, but sometimes I'm too loud when I speak 
And one of the greatest advice I ever got from a manager was when he told me you could be the loudest person in the room and still never be heard. So this guy really taught me how to control that power. You know, like you, you have the ability to command a room to, you know, like you have the ability to, to make these people do what you want them to do. You just need to know what calls to make. And he really just taught me how to just own that role to the point that when I walked into those, when I would walk into that building, it's all fucked. Tino's here. Make sure we got our shit in line. And I didn't have to be that hard ass 24 seven because it got to a point of respect with everybody that everybody just wanted to do well for me. And I, and I couldn't have accomplished that without him. And, um, the reason why he credits me a lot is because I bypassed my own promotion for him. When I, uh, when I started at that station, I was a level four manager. He was a tier three associate. So one level right below me, um, not too long into my manager, he got promoted to level four very rightfully. So he should have been there before I was my, the spot I took was pretty much his spot. And, um, so he got his spot a few months later and it got to a point where I was up for a promotion, but so was he. And there was two routes to go with this. Um, one was you get a recommendation from your ops manager. So the manager above you, or you go to the pod interviews and you have to actually interview through like a, a sanction of like, you know, people and shit. And, um, I, I actually got picked to um, have my manager submit my recommendation for me. And I actually recommended for them to go with the other person. I said, I would rather go through the pods. And um, people were kind of shocked by it. They didn't understand why. And it was because, you know, I remember talking to this person. And again, they were Egyptian. I, I knew that with the language barrier, going to the pods and having to explain the things that they do was not going to work better than having somebody display it out for them. I've gone through the interviews. I've gone through the pods. I can, I can, I can easily talk my way through this, but he may not get so lucky, but at the end of the day, he deserves the promotion just as much, if not more than I do. So I gave up that spot for him. And, um, the pods ended up actually getting exempted that quarter. They actually decided not to push through with any promotion. So I did, I got screwed out of the pods. Um, but he got promoted to a level five and I didn't care. I I didn't mind. And I never held any gripe towards it. And that's kind of what the basis of our conversation was when we sat there because as we're just talking and shit, like he's just like, I just don't know anybody who would have done that. He was like, I've I've encountered so many managers here. And he's like, I just don't know anybody who would have done that. And I was just like, well, that's, that's just shitty. (laughs) like that's the way I thought about it is like that's just shitty that there's not more people like that you know and so we're just you know what I mean pretty much just shooting the shit after that dude and just having so much respect for one another and really transmitting it through alcohol (laughs) so um we drank a lot and it was a lot of fucking Jameson and I think we had some other type of whiskey that they had there where we just asked them like well you know what's what's your favorite whiskey here okay we'll take a shot of that you know we yeah we broke the bank there and um so after that I was supposed to be meeting up with another friend of mine 
Miss Stephanie Neuerberg, who probably remembers more of this encounter than I do. Um, <laughs> and and um, so me and her, we, um, we meet up for dinner. And uh, we have dinner and drinks. And I remember I start drinking Jameson Mules. I'm feeling fancy as fuck. And uh, we have we have pasta. I remember that. It was like a pasta place. It was really good. We have really great conversation. We're catching up. Just going through everything. And um, honestly, it was such a great night. Great times with her. And I, God, I miss her to death. Miss Stephanie Neuerberg, if you are listening right now, you know what I mean? Like, message a boy. You know what I mean? Because I, I miss hearing from you. Um she's always just such a fun person to talk to because even when like you know she's going through some things or something or if I'm going through some things like the storytelling back and forth between the two of us has always been so great so um she's definitely somebody who I've always loved keeping very close after high school and um so we're sitting there we're eating and and I was like you know what I really want to do karaoke it's my fucking thing and she was like, yeah, let's find a karaoke spot. So we're, you know, looking up and there's this, uh, and there's this gay bar up the fucking block, uh, that was doing karaoke. So I was just like, bet we out. So we finished up our shit and we had, a uh, we had there to this gay bar and this place was like, um, was like, it wasn't that bad. Like as far as like the flamboyancy of it. It was just hella funny because the the music that was being sung was like legit all like nineties pop and R and B. So I loved every it was like nineties everything. I don't think anything in the year two thousands above was was sung that night. Um I remember like somebody saying the cranberries. Um yeah, like I said, that that part of it starts to get really blurry because once we got there, I started drinking Jameson ginger ales. I remember I sang Backstreet Boys um, and some other shit, but like, it was fun, well, your boy ended up drinking just a little too much, and, um, I blacked out, (laughs) and I don't remember much of anything, but according to what Stephanie had relayed to me the next day, I told her, she was like, do you need a ride home? I can give you a ride home. We're leaving. I was like, no, it's cool. I'm going to hang out here. I'll get a ride home. I'm going to get an Uber. And um, did not do that. And uh, I actually like woke up probably around like, if I had to guess, probably somewhere between like 5 or 6 a.m. And I was sitting on the street right outside the club. So I fell asleep there uh, on the on the ground and um i wake up and i'm like oh motherfuck so i i I pat my pockets i got i got my keys um i got my my phone tap my back pocket i got my wallet cool i got my cash still that's awesome got my card we're solid nigga my shoes are gone what somebody stole my fucking shoes and so <laughs> I, I have my socks, but like I'm here in my full outfit. I got everything else, right? Including the cash still in my wallet, but my shoes are, are stolen. I don't even remember what shoes I was wearing either. Like, it's not like they were expensive shoes. Like I wasn't out there in like some Jordans or, you know what I mean? Like anything crazy, like legitimately, they were probably like some $20 walking shoes. Like, honestly, 
Um, so it was crazy. And I just was like, wow, all right. So I start walking. And um, I'm like, I need to get an Uber. And I'm, and I'm pulling up my phone, right? Phone's fucking dead. Um, I got no charger, no nothing. So I'm just walking up and down, trying to basically navigate. I've never been to Seattle before, mind you. So I don't know where I'm at in correlation to where I need to go. And all I can remember in my head is the street name on which the hotel is at. So I'm you know, looking bummy as fuck with no shoes on, trying to walk up to people, still stumbling my words because I'm pretty fucking drunk still. And I'm, and I'm trying to, you know, ask people for directions and people are looking at me like I'm a fucking homeless person. And so I'm just like, fuck man. All right. So finally end up navigating myself you know, like enough. I I think I found like the road in which I needed to get to. And I go, okay, it has to be one way or the other. And I start walking one way and I start realizing about halfway through that way that I was like, this isn't the way I know this isn't the way just based upon what I was seeing. I knew that none of it looked familiar and I had to walk the other way. So I turned all the way back around and walked twice as long the other way and realized, okay, we're going the right direction. And, uh, finally I fucking find the hotel, like legitimately on pretty much on a whim because I, mind you, I, I'd got zero direction on where to go or anything. And I'm walking just barefooted through Seattle for miles. And, uh, I finally find the fucking hotel and I get in there and uh, it's probably like eight thirty in the morning at this point. And my flight was like scheduled for like 3 p.m. or some shit like that. It was later in the afternoon. So I was like, fuck this. I'm going to get a new flight now. And I'm calling, I, I plug in my phone. I call Rack. I tell her the fucking night I had. She's like, what? <laughs> and and, uh, and I'm just like, I, I need to go. I'm, I'm coming back now. Fuck this. I'm not staying here any longer. I'm, I'm dipping. I'm out. And, um... I fucking, I end up falling asleep trying to search up a new flight. So I wake up and I have like 40 minutes to make my fucking flight. And I go, fuck. So I get up, take the world's fastest shower, fucking just clean off and try to rub as much shame off as I could and fucking, you know, got everything together and left. Now, mind you, my shoes are still fucking gone. So I don't have any shoes at this point. So realizing this, I'm just like, fuck it, own it, go. And I'm walking and I get into the Uber and we get to the fucking airport and I legitimately walk through the fucking airport with no shoes on. And I'm telling you right now, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you are walking without any shoes on and you don't want people to know that you're walking without shoes on, walk as though you have shoes on. I know that probably sounds super like self-explanatory, but I mean like legitimately like just act like you have shoes on. If you just look straight up and just walk normally, people will not notice at all that you don't have shoes on. But if you start kind of, you know, stepping hella weird and shit, it's going to look funky. And mind you, my feet were swollen as hell from walking miles barefoot already. Um, so I just had to 
really just keep it together. And I got all the way through, like, security, everything, and I hit this fucking gift shop uh, area, and I was like, oh, can I get these uh, these flip-flops here? And they go, yeah, sure. Do you, would you like a bag? I go, oh, no, that won't be necessary. I purchase them, literally drop them on the floor, and I go and put them on, and the lady goes, did you walk in here without shoes on? And I was like, I sure did. And she was like, I had no idea. And I go, that was the point. And, and that was legitimately the conversation. So I fucking dip out, right? And I make the plane and head back. And it was just a bunch of nonsense from there. But there was there was one other part of this um, that I kind of skipped over. And uh, when um, I was in the Uber heading from the hotel to the airport, it was probably like a 20-minute like a 20, 20 drive or so, 25-minute drive, somewhere in there. And, um, I'm in the car and I get a call from my manager who tells me you are lucky that, you know what I mean? Like I just saved your ass essentially starts telling me that while I was in Seattle, my job was being, um, pending because of some sort of decision that I made that apparently led to about 1,700 packages that were missing. Uh, I don't know if that's the necessary number, and honestly, that's probably the most I can say, considering, you know, things. Um, And so she tells me, you know, I got it all cleared up. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You're good. But, yeah, we just got to be careful about it. Now, I knew exactly what she was referring to and um when I had got back I had or I had went through even further to clear my name of what I was being accused of but the thing that really stood in my head most was I generated 48 million dollars for this company and all I got was a tax deducted trip to Seattle and while I was on that trip they were still pending my employment based upon a decision that ultimately was what I was advised to make. And I really just started to feel ungrateful from the beginning. You know, mind you, I was already two years in into my management life at this point, And I had given so much to to the success that I was bringing to this company. And um, even my celebration couldn't be celebrated correctly, right? Like, mind you, like, forget all the function that I, I put myself through, right? Like, that recklessness, at least, is, it's, it's humor, right? Like, it, it's something funny, at least it's a memorable moment that I got to bring into something that ultimately, like, really left such a bad taste in my mouth, and it's so funny because it has nothing to do with the walking around for miles shoeless in Seattle. It was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I'm generating, I'm, I'm giving so much so much to this and it's still clearly not enough to satisfy me 
right? Nothing, nothing towards the company, nothing towards anything else. Because again, they're a business, they're going to move how they move, but I'm giving so much without feeling enough gratitude for it. So it's funny because, you know, that, that trip ultimately is something that I still think about to this day. And it's why it's, it's led to the things that it has, but (laughs) Again, I appreciate the stories I get out of them, you know? Like I said, Rack and the girls got to see Seattle and, you know, really fucking explore it. And uh, again, I can't I can't talk about the food, man. We had the best fucking salmon I think I've ever had in my life there. And um, you know what I mean? And I still had my own adventure, my own escapade on top of that. <laughs> um, but... You know what I mean? I still had that bad taste in my mouth just because of that. And um, that part's unfortunate. But the biggest takeaway from this is that if you ever find yourself shoeless in Seattle, just keep your head up and keep walking. And I promise you, nobody will fucking notice. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. So before we go, I wanted to go ahead and leave you guys with just... One more trip down memory lane as we go back. And um, this is a dear friend of mine, Alex's personal, probably favorite of mine as far as like freestyle work that I've done. Um, So this is me uh, doing a freestyle over Childish Gambino's Freaks and Geeks. I said, fuck you, bitch. From the moment I stepped in the booth, use reverse psychology so I can make the winners lose. No stopping for a break. I don't need no interludes. Cause once Tino spitting you, no, it's gonna be winners soon. Listen, you, I'm more than you expected, like a mini coop. If you do wanna test me, then I will start hitting fools. When this truth in this right head that you listen to, cooking with this mic in a pan like they kitchen tools. So many fish in the sea, I should go fishing soon. Can't throw my heart out, cause what my last shit can do. Shit, let's be honest, baby, you know that's a bitch's move I'm not saying you all won't, but that's what your decision proved Anywho, moving on, jumping around that chicken coop Cause damn, I knew, girl, yeah, she wider than some pigeon stool And my brown chick, man, her Latin so rich And just like her accent, man, her ass is so thick All racist, Jamaicans, mixing in with Asians I'm tasting all the flavors like Skittles, it's amazing If you thought I'd slow down, well, now that I'm back, it's on Swag so cold, you gon' need your fucking jackets on Laugh it off, really, are you thinking I'm a joke? I'm just wondering like Joe, cause yeah, I wanna know If you ain't fucking with the flow, you should start chasing waterfalls Cause bitch, I make it rain, and that weather never change at all Hey, this fault, main reason why I'm all ass Cause I relate your actions to a big baller bear I'm just waiting on my plane once the coast is all clear Then my music on the radio is all you gonna hear Are you here? No, man, I'm on that higher than you think level Boiling up, swear that I'm hotter than the meanest devil If you won't say I'm the hottest out loud Well, name one rapper who's hotter right now Cause I bet I can take any place of any name Of any big name artist that you throw up on that stage So you letting these flames keeping you awake And the rest of your time, you're sleeping on the grates Mistakes, we make them and damn I made a lot So I wanna go out for every person that I lost Every risk that I took that didn't pay off Every time I let music make me take a day off It ain't at all fair I gave this shit my heart and soul The only thing alone that has my heart as a whole So do every girl know that part of me is owned The music notes attached and it's starting to be sewn So tell me though 
how could I fail when I'm like a birthday card cause there's a profit in this mail I'm spitting with a flow that could be marketing itself bullseye on the cash cause it's targeting the well I'm smarter than you feel and that light keeps breaking just playing all my thoughts and I'm not even thinking I'm just preaching what I need to speak cause only those who use their heads freaks and freaks get that right now, it, it'll sink in. It's a little appropriate though. <laughs> yeah. This is Tina Kilgate, signing off from another episode of What the Fuck Am I Doing With My Life? <laughs>